Hey everyone, this is Jake, lead pastor of Christ City Church, East Vancouver, and I want to let you know about a few things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 2605 East Pender Street in East Vancouver for worship, word, and sacrament. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church East Vancouver is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to be a part of or hear more of what we believe God has called us to do in East Vancouver, please reach out to me at jake at christcitychurch.ca. Today's scripture comes from all over Proverbs. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk lends only to poverty. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Slothfulness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back up to his mouth. The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. But the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You may be seated. And let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask that you would give us minds to understand and humble hearts that would receive it, and wills that would obey it. Lord, would you teach us this morning? Would you um, grow us in knowing you and loving you and living lives that honor you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Paul. I'm part of the team here, and I'm happy to welcome you uh, this morning, and um, really glad you're with us on this August long weekend. Now, today, as we continue our summer sermon series in the book of Proverbs, we are looking at slothfulness versus diligence. And I notice there's no cheers there. Apparently not as exciting as men's retreat or baptism, but we're looking at slothfulness versus diligence. And and I feel it. It's it's a hard subject, right? These these are not easy things to, to venture into. Um, but, but here we are, right? Because we, we believe that all of God's word is good counsel for us. Now we're going to look at three points today. The slothful life, the busy life, and the diligent life. And we're going to jump right into it. Our first point, the slothful life. Now, now in recent years, I think in part due to an animated family movie, uh, that, that featured a sloth named Flash. You may have seen it, Zootopia. Sloths have become quite popular. I don't know if you noticed this. I know this because there's a member in my family who is crazy about sloths, right? They, they've become quite a thing, right? We see them all over the place now, right? People have become so endeared to them that there's all kinds of merchandise and, and things that, um, that we have that have sloths on them, right? You see, you see them on clothing, jewelry, doormats, 
coffee mugs. We even had a little tea steeper that was in the shape of a sloth, right? And there are even sloth-themed restaurants, right? Because people love them. They see them as adorable. But as we come to Proverbs, what is endearing in the animal kingdom is not so cute in people. Right, and, and, and Proverbs holds nothing back to make this point clear. And that, that's part of what's hard about this is because Proverbs says hard things about slothfulness. Because it says that what is by design inherent in the animal ought to be foreign to humanity. So much so that Proverbs mocks slothfulness. It takes this, this comedic stance against it it, it, it jabs it a few times because it, it intends to display it as ridiculous because it's so far from what we are intended to be, so far from what humanity is supposed to be. So what is this slothful life that we see in Proverbs? Well, let's begin by looking at uh, Proverbs 6.9. It says this, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? So here we're invited into the life of the sluggard, which is another term for slothfulness. And we find the sluggard here perpetually sleeping, deeply entrenched in, in his bed, hardly moving, like barely showing signs of life, let alone signs of getting up. Right, and it's this picture of someone who is trapped in their comfort, unmotivated to do anything, unmotivated to do anything but just lie in bed. See, and, and in this, we have this, this idea that, that this person just struggles to get, get started. Right? They just struggle to get their day started, let alone anything else in their life started. See, in Proverbs, the, the slothful person, the slothful life in that, we begin to get things going. We, we struggle to do this, right? We may have ideas of things we'd like to do. We may talk a good game about it, but when it comes down to it, we don't get things started, right? The mantra of the slothful person is, just a few minutes more, I'll get to it in a minute. But minutes stretch to hours, days waste away, and nothing gets underway. Now, and if that's not bad enough, as we look further into Proverbs, we see, we see that the slothful person doesn't just start or struggle to get things started, but they struggle to get things done. Look at Proverbs 12.27 and 19.24. Whoever is slothful and will not roast his game, uh, who is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In 1924, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Now, now picture this with me. Right? Proverbs uh, creates this, this scene for us. There's this guy, right? He gathers his hunting gear. He goes 10 hours into the backcountry, traveling on bumpy, logging roads. He takes up his position and he waits patiently, waiting for his game to pass by. After hours, he, he finally gets his prize. He drags it back to the truck, returns to his home. Then what? 
Well, he puts his feet up on the couch and he turns on the TV while his dinner is sitting in the back of his truck rotting. Or even more crazy, imagine he gets home, he cooks this beautiful meal, and he sits down to eat. But, oh, he forgot his fork. He looks across the kitchen. It's so far away. And it's in a drawer. Exhausted at the thought, he decides to dip his hand in the dish. He plows in, he grabs the meat, he grabs the potatoes, and it's heavier than he thought. He tries to lift, no, too hard, too hard. So what does he do? He decides to lay down his head and his plate of meat and potatoes, have a little rest, and maybe try again when breakfast comes the next morning. Right Now, we hear this, right, and, and Proverbs is, is exaggerating things, but we hear this, and, and isn't there a little bit of truth that, that maybe is true of us? I mean, have you ever done something silly just to rush to get something done? Have you ever? I mean, I have. You know, cutting corners, being hasty, not finishing something the way it's, it's supposed to be finished. There's a little bit of, of, of this foolishness in me. And I think if we look at parts of our lives, we'll see that it's true of us as well. Right? So the, the sluggard, there he is. He struggles to get his day started. When he finally does, he struggles to get things done. But there's one thing even worse. See, when he, when he suffers the consequences of this, he can't accept responsibility. Right? So if the first mantra of the, the sluggard is just a minute more, the second is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Look at Proverbs 22.13. The sluggard said, there's a lion outside. I should be killed in this, I'll be killed in the streets. So what's happening here? It's a strange proverb. What's happening here? Well, to be clear, there's no lion. Okay, there's no lion. There's no danger outside his door. The sluggard is refusing to leave his house, right? He claims to be trapped inside, but he's just using a lame excuse, right? There's a problem there. He's not taking responsibility. He's making lame excuses for his situation and his problems. See, for the, for the sluggard, for the slothful life, like the problem is always out there. It's something else or someone else that is to blame for, for the situation. You know, the person says to themselves, well, if it weren't for the heat, then I'd do it. If it weren't for the cold, then I could get around to it. If it weren't for that person, then things would be different. If it weren't for that thing, then I, then I get it done. They just can't accept responsibility. And, and we see that it goes from bad to worse, right? They're not just making excuses, but the, their excuses become grandiose in, in their delusion. Right? One, one commentator puts it this way. See, for sluggards, no idea is too eccentric or fantastic to keep them from laboring. But ironically, what really murders them is their laziness, not lions. Right? There they are, stuck in their beds, stuck in their tasks, and stuck in their delusion. 
This is what the slothful life looks like. And, and here's, what's, here's what ends up happening in this. Right? There are three things uh, and, and more, but three things that we're going to look at that come out of a slothful life. The first thing is empty pockets. Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. See, a slack hand is, is a way of saying laziness, somebody not getting stuff done, and it says the lazy person ends up poor, not having what they need, let alone what they want. Right? We see, we see this, this principle throughout Proverbs, and we also see it play out in the New Testament. In uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, the Apostle Paul says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Right? The one who doesn't labor is going end to up, end up without what he needs and without what he uh, wants. See, the, the, the lazy life leads to empty pockets. Now, we need to be clear not all poverty is the result of laziness, right? We, we don't look at somebody who's struggling financially and, and jump to the conclusion, ah, they must be lazy, right? In, in parts of our city and many parts of our world, there are people who work incredibly hard, uh, who put me to shame in their diligence, and it struggle in poverty due to the circumstances they were born into. So we're not talking about poverty as a sign of laziness, but we're talking about laziness and a consequence of it is poverty. Now, the second uh, thing we see is that a slothful life leads to a hard life. Look at this with me. Uh, Chapter 15, 19. The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. And then 12.24, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Notice the irony here, right? The, the slothful person is just aiming for ease, right? Light work, soft choices, a boatload of comfort. But what they reap is, is completely the opposite, right? The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, Slothful will be put to forced labor. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise to us, right? Because, because when we are not diligent in the things we're called to do, when we're not owning our responsibility, when we're not doing things, stuff starts to fall apart. And when stuff starts to fall apart, we feel it, right? Financial pressures, you know, struggles with the home, relational tensions. When we aren't doing what we're supposed to do, Life becomes hard. You know, and I think I think we need to see that some of the hard stuff in our lives is because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Some of the hard stuff in our lives, not all of it, but some of it, may just be a result of things that we are neglecting in our lives. And I think we need to be attentive to that and take ownership of that and make changes. 
The third thing that, that we see in this lawful life is that it yields an empty soul. Right? We have empty pockets, we have a hard life, and we have an empty soul. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul, soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, this is the third mantra of the sluggard. He says, I want more. Right? Nothing satisfies, just give me more. Right? Just, and just as the, the sluggard sluggle, uh, struggles materially, they also struggle spiritually, right? And, and this is what this points to, is, is an empty soul. They've got empty pockets and an empty soul. And their soul is just perpetually hungry. Like, whatever they have doesn't satisfy. Whatever they long for will never satisfy. They're always looking for a better place, give me a better job, a better promotion, a better car, better clothes. I want, I want, I want. But never happy. They don't get because they don't work for it, but even if they do have, what, what they desire is never enough. Because Proverbs points to this idea that their soul is this bottomless pit, endlessly empty, always something needing something to, to fill it. But sadly, nothing satisfies. Now, as we, as we hear this, we may be wondering about how this connects with our lives. We may be hearing this and going, you know, yeah, I, I get that. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at getting things done. I don't make excuses. I earn what I need. I'm not perfect, but I'm not that. And this leads us to our second point, the busy life. See, our impulse may be to survey our activity, to look at our lives and look at things that we do, and arrive at the conclusion that slothfulness isn't an issue for us, right? We may think, I'm a busy guy. I'm, I'm definitely not lazy. But here's what we need to see, is that activity is not the antidote to slothfulness, right? A busy life is not the same thing as a diligent life. Frederick Beatner writes this. He says, a slothful man may be a very busy man. Hear, hear this, Christ City. A slothful man may be a very busy man. He's a man who goes through the motions, who flies on automatic pilot like a man with a bad head cold. He is mostly lost of sense of taste and smell. People come and go, but through glazed eyes, he hardly notices them. He's, he's letting things run their course, and he's getting through his life. See, the second, second thing we need to see is that a busy life may be a slothful life. Because slothfulness at its heart is living without care or living with indifference. And more specifically in Proverbs, in that context, it's living with indifference to obligation to God and others. Now, in July of, of 2022, Zahid Khan... A 20-something engineer posted a 17-second TikTok about an idea that was beginning to emerge among his peers, something called quiet quitting, right? And in his video, he talked about quiet quitting, and, and, and in it, he pushed back against drivenness in our society. 
He pushed back against the, the problem of hustle culture, workaholism, losing one's identity in their career. Right? He challenged the need to go above and beyond in one's workplace to make a name for oneself or to get rich. And, and as a result of this 17 seconds, the, the quiet quitting hashtag went, went viral. It, it caught fire. And it actually became a growing trend in workplaces. Now, unfortunately, the good intentions of Zahid's video got lost somewhere along the way. Right? This idealism that, that he was presenting was not bad in and of itself. But, but the primary idea got lost. And what happened is there was a swing from, from not going above and beyond to doing bare minimum. Bare minimum. Quiet quitting became about showing up to work, punching your time clock, and doing as little as possible while keeping your job. Now, admittedly, right, these are extreme things. You know, some people are working in these ways. Perhaps we're not struggling in this. But, but what we need to see is, is the same posture of the person who is, is quiet quitting in areas of our lives may be in us. Right? We, we may have the same disposition to do little, to, to love comfort, to serve ourselves, as we see in, in the person who's just, just mailing it in at the workplace. One commentator paints uh, a picture of the problem this way. Right? He, he calls it contemporary slothfulness. And he says this is what it looks like. Evenings without number, obliterated by television. Evenings neither of entertainment nor of education, but of a narcotic defense against time and duty. And I think he's on to something. Right? We, we can be doing all kinds of things, but there may be areas in our lives where when we stop, that's what happens. We forget about God, we forget about others, we numb ourselves, we scroll social media, endless net, Netflix binging. Right. And so I think we have to be attentive, right? The, the, the extreme pictures that Proverbs paints of slothfulness may seem ridiculous to us. But in areas of our lives, they may be true of us. See, the bottom line is this. Sloth is a plague of the heart, not just an activity of the life. It's a plague of the heart and, and if we look at, at our lives, we may see a little bit of slothfulness in us as well. And this leads to, to our third point, the diligent life, right? This, this is the prescription that Proverbs offers us to deal with our slothfulness. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, and she gathers her food in harvest. So look at verse 6. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. 
So what this is saying is, according to Scripture, we are to go to the ant to learn a lesson. Right? The, the writer points to the sluggard and he says, go to the ant, that, that insignificant insect, and take a lesson or two from it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not what I want to hear. Right? So send me to a professional. Recommend an online course. Buy me a book. But sit in the backyard and stare at an anthill? This seems ridiculous. Because in my mind, I'm better than that. Right? I'm better than that. But that's the problem. I don't think I need it because I think I'm better than that. As Ray Ortland talks about this, he said, it's, it's so humbling that we, whom God created to rule over creation, need to go to learn how to live from an ant. And that's the point of this. The point is go to the ant because need a little humbling. Go to the ant because before you can learn lessons in diligence, you've got to learn lessons in humility. In Proverbs 26.16, it says, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And seven men in, in this is, is a picture of perfect wisdom. Yet the sluggard thinks, I'm better than that. I, I know things. I know enough. Right? And, but that, that's the flaw of the slugger, this fundamental problem. Right? They, they're proud. Their eyes are blind to seeing themselves as they truly are. Blind to seeing what they truly need. But humility, wisely, Proverbs points to the ant, because humility will open the eyes. Right? It tends to open our eyes. We begin to, to see ourselves as we truly are. Along with our strengths, we see our limitations, our shortcomings, our brokenness, and ultimately our sin. We need to be humbled. Now look at verse 7 and 8. It says, Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer. See, the ant doesn't have somebody looking over her shoulder cracking the whip, beating the drum to get it moving, right? And, and what's clear is that this isn't about freedom and independence, but it's about initiative, right? The ant takes initiative without having to be prodded or pushed, right? It has the motivation to do the work. And it's motivation that is inherently in them. See, the desire of the ant's heart, their tiny little heart, inclines them to work as they do. And, and, and what this does is it points us to what we need most. Right? We need a change of heart. We need a, a humble posture that leads to a change of heart that then changes our desires in how we work. And, and in Proverbs, the, the person who has a changed heart is described as, as the one who fears the Lord who lives out of this fear of the Lord that, that shapes their idea of who they are and how they live. It's a phrase that we find throughout the book. And, and fundamentally, what it, what it means is, is a right view of God 
that, that inspires right living before him and others. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, we have, we have a picture of it. It says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep his commandments. See, to fear the Lord is to have such a view of God that we would willingly and joyfully serve him, surrendering our comforts, disadvantaging ourselves for the good of others. That's what it looks like. And those who are diligent, they gladly do it. They gladly do it. Why? Because that's what God did for them. Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2. He says to the Philippian church, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, he humbled himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what do we see here? That one who is exalted above all would lay down his life for the good of others. One who is worthy of all glory and praise would subject himself to serving people, to laying down his life for their good. And in doing it, he gives new, new hearts to those who trust him. It's through faith in him, his death, his resurrection on the cross, that new, new hearts are born that lead to new lives. And, and that's what sets the diligent apart from the slothful person. They've trusted God, believed in his son, received a new heart, and now new desires are forming in their lives that shape how they live. And here, here's the exciting thing. If you're in Christ, it's already yours. Did you see that at the start of this? Have this mind, be like Jesus, which is already yours in him. You already have all that you need to, to begin to walk diligently, to turn from slothfulness, to live in new ways. He's already given it to us. And if you're not in Jesus, if you haven't trusted him yet, right? Proverbs invites us to become diligent people. It invites us to trust in God, to fear him, and ultimately to love Jesus. It's good news for us. For those who are in Christ, you can grow in diligence. And if you're not yet, the invitation is there for you to trust him. And as we do, we live from this new heart. Look, look what it, what's described of, of the diligent through the life of the ant. It says, verse 8, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Here we see the, the ant lives with an awareness of, of times and seasons, 
right? Whereas the sluggard is only concerned about what they desire in the moment, right? Living with a spend now, pay later mentality. The diligent, like the ant, they, th- they think beyond the immediate, right? They, they give consideration to what is needed the next day, the next week, at the end of the month, not out of fear or anxiety, but out of wise consideration for what's coming due. And, and along with this, look what we see. It says she prepares and she gathers, right? The, the other disciplines that we see is that of preparation, right? She prepares, right? So, so we, we look, we prepare and we work hard. This is, this is the picture here. The diligent will, will look to education, to being informed, planning, developing skills, right? Being prepared for the work uh, and the, the responsibilities that are before them. Along with this, the diligent work hard, right? The ant, it prepares, it gathers, it's organized, it does its work. The diligent work hard. And, and now we need to hear this Christ-city for, because for some of us, you know, working hard might be the problem, right? This is not a call to do more or to workaholism, right? We're, we're called to work hard, but we're also called to rest well. And that's reflected in the life of the diligent. Look at that Proverbs 23, 4. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. <clears throat> Be discerning enough to desist. Right? Know when to quit. Know when you have enough. Right? Work hard and rest well. And th- this is the pattern that God has given us. In Genesis 3 or Genesis 2, the, the call to work and, and to labor, to, to mirror God in working six days and resting one. Right? We have this pattern for how we ought to live. And the diligent, they work hard and they rest well. Now as we close, quickly I'm just going to run through you know, what, what's the good of, of the diligent life? What's the reward? And, and Proverbs outlines a few things for us. It talks about prosperity, right? Proverbs 28, 19, 20 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Verse 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. See, for those who are diligent, needs will be met, right? Grace, God's grace will abound to provide all that is needed uh, for all that he's called you to, right? It's not a promise for worldly riches. We, we need to hear this, right? In, in the whole counsel of Scripture, it gives us a better understanding that it's, it's not saying, you know, be diligent and you're going to be rich. It, it's a picture of sufficiency and sufficiency for abundant living, not abundant wealth, Right? A rich life, both now and in eternity. This is what the life of the diligent produces. It also produces responsibility. 1224 says, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slothful will be put forth later. Labor, right? As we are diligent, we prove ourselves. You know, God teaches this, that, that he gives more to those who are faithful with, with what he's given. We see that another benefit is honor, Twenty-two, twenty-nine. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You know, diligent work will, will, will garner respect. 
And then finally, Proverbs 13.4, a satisfied soul. And perhaps this is what is most striking in, in the contrast between the, the sluggard and the diligent. 13.4 says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Right? Satisfied. Content. Having enough. And if you think about our culture, and maybe, maybe your life, you know, is there always a longing for more? Perhaps it's because we're looking to the wrong things, self and comfort, but we need to look to Jesus, the fear of the Lord, and begin to live in new ways, desire new things that will bring forth the contentment that this proverb points to. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. <clears throat> Christ City, as we trust in Jesus, grow, grow in the diligent life. Grow in the diligent life, joyfully disadvantaging self for the good of others and God's glory. And what Proverbs tells us is as we do, we won't be disappointed. Do you hear that, Christ City? As we live in these ways, as we turn from slothfulness and turn to the diligent life, trusting in Jesus, we won't be disappointed. So may we tend to our slothfulness, and by God's grace, may we, we grow in diligence and find our rest and comfort in him. Let's pray. Yeah, Father, I, I acknowledge that um, um, your word mocks me. There are times where, where I am the sloth, where I am the sluggard. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you that for all of us, you have not left, left us in that place, but you've provided a way through Jesus to change us, to grow new desires, and, and to enable us, empower us to live in new ways. Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray that, that in, in each life, in whatever we struggle with, Lord, you would help us. That this week you would do a work by your word, by your spirit, by your grace, to grow us to be a diligent people for your glory and for the good of this neighborhood. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.